If they ask me, I could write a book about the way you walk. And we are back. There are two people in studio who never cease to please when they're in studio. Megan Zinn, you have a guest that uh, I just always listen to. I, yes. Um, my guest is Elon Stavins, who is, I know, a regular um, visitor to the studio. Um, Did she just call you irregular? A regular. That, that would be rude. I don't know him well enough to, to go there. Um, um, Elon Stavins is the publisher of Restless Books and the Lewis Sebring Professor of Humanities and Latin American and Latino Culture at Amherst College. And his books include On Borrowed Words, Spanglish, Dictionary Days, The Disappearance, and A Critic's Journey, among others. And given his career, we could probably talk about a huge range of topics. But today we're going to focus on Restless Books, which I mentioned before, uh, which, he co which Elon co-founded and which has a new retail outlet in Amherst. So, Elon, welcome. So, uh, tell us about the development of Restless Books. It's a pleasure to be here again in the show and with you, yes. Megan. Uh, Restless Books started uh, 11 years ago uh, as a response to the lack of translations into English okay. of works of literature, fiction, nonfiction, poetry, theater, memoirs uh, from other languages. Other languages translate many more books into mm -hmm. their ecosystem than English does, astonishingly, given that English is the lingua franca in the world. And modestly and modically, we wanted to make a difference to change the diet even mm, a little, little bit, bit yeah. of, of uh, English language readers. And uh, it's been a wonderful journey since then. It started in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. um, and now we have a, a storefront and office here in Amherst as well. Yeah, and you, who are your co-founders? Who did you who started uh, with? I co-founded it with a Belgian a philanthropist and book lover, Annette Hushtin, mm -hmm. uh, who um, put the seed money for the book. Okay, wonderful. Um, what does the name come from, Restless Books? It comes from the desire not to conceive of reading as a, as a relaxed mm -hmm. and uh, forgetful endeavor, but just the opposite. I think reading is a restless act, mm -hmm. an act of defiance, an act of, of a partnership with the present time. And uh, I love to think of readers who are getting uncomfortable with books. Yeah, I love that. Um, it's the opposite of curl up with a book. Yes. Um, and I'm speaking with Elon Stavins, uh, who is, and we're talking about uh, Restless Books, his publishing house and new um, bookstore. I'm sorry, um, Megan, that mm. seemed to resonate for you, and I'm still working on it. Yes. Well, what does that mean, you, you, uh, being uncomfortable as a reader? I don't, Chal I don't quite Challenged, understand. yeah. I think that uh, when a book is good, as a book doesn't leave you alone. It mm -hmm. gets you by the throat. Mm -hmm. It pushes you. Um, when a book is good, it makes you think, even if you disagree with a book. Uh, when a book is good, it pushes you to imagine an alternative reality. And I think that books that are good are not always the ones that we think are marvelous from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. We undergo a transformation as we read them. We start in one place and end in another place. And the best books, in my view, are a journey as a reader where you discover aspects, ideas, emotions in yourself that you didn't know you could experience. Yeah, yeah. And, and that yeah, challenge you. And if they make you uncomfortable, yes. that's, that can be a good thing. Um, and 
Restless Books is very much a mission-driven publisher. Tell us a little bit more about um, what your mission is. The mission is rather simple. It wants to go beyond the headlines. It wants to show that uh, people in different parts of the world live life just as we do, but have very different views, and that it is through a novel, through a collection of stories, through a memoir, that we can understand what is happening elsewhere that go beyond that goes beyond the headlines of Russians are thinking this, or the mm-hmm. Finns mm-hmm. are voting this week. What is it that the Finns think of yeah. in terms of death? in terms of uh, politics, etc. And I think that can only be given by a good novel or a, a good collection of stories. Yeah, yeah. it made me think about uh, last year I interviewed a writer who is from Zimbabwe and she spoke about how she would get books as a child from um, a sort of the bookmobile that they would have there. And they were all um, books from the UK primarily. And it wasn't until she was an adult and I think studying in the US that she realized that there were books by Zimbabwe authors, yeah. and that that somebody could write a book um, other other than um, in English. Yes. Um, and so I'm speaking with Alan Stavins, and we're talking about Restless Books, his uh, publishing house. Um, other than translation, does Restless Books have any particular specialties? Um, Trans, uh, translations is the major aspect that we have, but the specialty, if we can call it that way, is immigrant writing. Mm, we okay. publish. Uh, books by immigrant writers from all over the world and immigration understood broadly. Mm-hmm. We live at a time when uh, people are forced to move from one place to another uh, dramatically because of climate change, because of politics, because of family issues. We have an annual $10,000 um, Restless Books Immigrant Writing Prize to the best manuscript. One year is fiction, one year is nonfiction that comes in English. Uh, and the goal of Restless is to allow for immigrant writers to explore their their journeys from one language to another, mm-hmm. from one mm-hmm. habitat mm-hmm. to the next. Uh, I think that uh, th- it's crucial to go beyond what we often hear about the U.S.-Mexican border uh, critical and always in crisis uh, zone. We are all immigrants. We all descend from immigrants in countries like this. Uh, Immigrants have been defining how we see the world and will define it Mm -hmm. for the long term. And I I just love the fact that uh, through writing, an immigrant can really tell you their story in unique ways. But Professor Stavins, you you just, you define for us what makes a good book. But we all have our idea of what makes a book well-written, mm-hmm. but when it's a translation, how do you determine what's well-written? Hmm. Oh, I, I adore that question. You know, the, uh, uh, translations are the backbone of who we are when we're trying to think beyond our regional borders. Mm-hmm. Um, Even though English is the lingua franca of the world, there are thousands of languages, literally thousands of languages, and people communicate in different ways in all all those many languages. Translating a book from one language to another requires a second author, a translator. I'm calling that individual a second author because it's not a passive role, it's a creative role, and that person, the translator, has to make the book come alive in a new language, has to sacrifice loyalty for creativity in order to make 
this this story that somebody else is telling accessible, available, endearing, open to the rest of us. And you can kill a book as a publisher when you give it to the wrong translator. I bet. You have to create a marriage between the translator and the author so that they understand each other. Marriages are not always happy, <laughs> but they are always dynamic. And that is what finding a translator often means to me and to us. We have to look at three or four options of a trans of translations. We ask for samples when we buy a book, mm -hmm. and then we see what the sensibilities are, how they register or not uh, with the with the author. And in the end, was the the having the right translation will make a dent, will change the mind of a reader. It's just, it's how you dress a book, how you present it, that ultimately is crucial for, for the success of that book. Yeah, and I would imagine a translator not just has to know the language well, but the culture well Absolutely. that they're translating yes. from. Yes, the translator has to be a traveler across mm. those cultures, has to feel comfortable in them, maybe he's stronger in one culture, but has to have an empathy for the, for the, for the culture that they are yeah. bringing in has to be attuned with the language of the place where the book is coming from, but particularly with the freshness and crispness mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of the language in English. Yeah. Uh, and it has to be able to find corners of our different languages in English, jargons and, and slang and how we say certain things in in order to hit the right the right notes all the time. A single bad note, a single bad moment from the translator can really ruin a book. But the, the translator also have, has to absorb the message. Mm -hmm. That is, has to, has to resonate for that translator. Absolutely, yeah. And you know, the, I, ha, I, had a, I have a friend, no longer around, but who once told me that he trans, the, he, he, said he was a translator, he translated books without reading them first. He, he Interesting. Was, he yeah. said he wanted to keep the freshness, the sense of surprise in that the reader will eventually have by translating them, at, reading them as he was translating ah, them. Mm -hmm. I see what you um, mean, yeah. And not having studied them and analyzed them mm -hmm. and kind of mm -hmm. turned them into a scholarly endeavor. And he translated A Hundred Years of Solitude into English. Gabriel Garcia Marquez once said that the translation was better than the original. Wow. <laughs> That is beautiful. Um, well, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back with Professor Ilan Stavins um, of Restless Books. Pleasure. More Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on WHMP. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. Here on our Writer's Block segment with uh, Megan Zinn, we are speaking with Professor Ilan Stavans of Amherst College, the co-founder and publisher of Restless Books, which has opened its new bookstore in Amherst quite recently. I'd like to continue the conversation about translation because I appreciate the importance of Restless Books bringing to an English-speaking American audience books that we would not otherwise read. And I have two questions for you professor in that regard. One is, how do you let the wider world know that these books now are here so that they can get the attention? 
and the and and, and the notoriety that they deserve, that they deserve. Well, let me start there. I have a second question, but how do you? What's the business model? How does this work? Mm-hmm. The the idea, Bill, is that um, the moment we acquire a book, we are already visualizing who the first audience for that book ought to be. I think of it as an onion. You look at the center where you will find supporters of that book if that book deals with slavery or with domestic violence or with immigration of a particular kind. You look to create interest in the communities that are related to that topic. Um, We published a book by a Filipino author, and the first thing we did is create events in the Filipino community in L.A., in Seattle, in Houston. After that, you build concentric circles of other groups that might be interested in that book because ultimately you don't want to publish only for one reader or for one book. You want to publish for a general audience. But if you go to a general audience from the beginning, your message will be lost. You have to find supporters in the different communities. Each book is meant to arrive at the at the on the lap and in front of the eyes of a particular readership. If you think of too universal a group, your book will get lost. Mm-hmm. You have to pitch it in the right way. And that is something that small publishers, non-independent, non-profit, I think can do very well, even better than the corporate publishers. We don't have the the amount of money for marketing and publicity that Penguin or a HarperCollins or Farrer Strauss and Giroux has. But we have the heart, the passion, the commitment to find those groups and to let a kind of grassroots campaign for the book to find its own readers. Eventually, I think, Bill, that a book is is the the book is the one that finds its readers and not the readers the book. The book will emanate some kind of force to attract people mm-hmm. depending on the topic, depending on the on the ideas that it suggests. And it's always extraordinarily rewarding to see how unsuspected, untapped readerships find a book and feel very happy about it. I that is the that is one of the greatest rewards of publishing for me. That's publicity as an art form as well. Yes. Um, I love that. Um Bill, did you have another question? I did. I'd like to Part go B. back to something Megan was asking you about, which was translation. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that the more beautifully written a book is, the more poetic it is, the more difficult it is to translate from one language to another. And I'm wondering whether you have found that in your work, Professor Elon Stavins, for that to be true. Absolutely true. A book, uh, a poem, uh, a short story, a novel that is gorgeous and that you feel that the world was created so that this novel could just arrive in front of you is at first sight, almost impossible to imagine in another language. But that is if you are handcuffing the translator, uh, telling that translator that the beauty of the original has to be identical to the beauty of the translation. What instead needs to be done is to allow the translator to create another type of beauty, the beauty that she or he can generate from the impact that the book will have on them. Robert Frost said that 
poetry is what gets lost in translation. But he failed to say that poetry can also be found in translation in different ways, in new ways, because the translator is an artist as much as the original author is. I believe that if you're going to support in, um, if you're going to support immigration, we need also to support translation, because when immigrants arrive, they come as translators of another culture, as translators of another sensibility, and we have to pay attention at how they speak, how they dream, how they interact, and find the beauty in that. There is no beauty in thinking that only our language can generate something gorgeous. Every language does. It's a matter of figuring out how that can be moved from one language to the next. All right, that's wonderful. Um, Elon Stavins, um, pr- uh, publisher of Restless Books, are there particular books that you can mention um, that you've published that are particularly meaning for you or that you're particularly proud to have published? I We've published, Megan, at this point, I think 170 books. Mm. And as a father and as a teacher, <laughs> originally no I would tell you, all of them are my favorite. Yes. I don't make any distinctions, but it's not true. Uh, you find as a parent that you everybody's a favorite, but you also have different relationships with mm-hmm. your kids. And you have different relationships with your students and different re- relationships with your books. We published a beautiful book last year. It didn't get as big an audience as I wished it had called Deintegrate from Germany. Uh, um, Max Chellack, the author, his proposal is that minorities should no longer dream of integrating and assimilating, wow. that instead should create kind of parallel uh, tracks in their own universe. And he writes as a German Jew who descended from families that were erased by the Holocaust. And this book is written to the Palestinian community that lives in Germany. Do not follow the path he says, that we followed as German Jews, be reluctant to fully assimilate. Whatever reaction the reader might or might not have to that, I think it's a very brave, courageous, Mm -hmm. and original thought. I love the way he writes it. It's not a scholarly book. There are some other books that I adore in the same way. We published a a translation of the Popol Vuh, Ah, the book of origins of the Mayan community Mm -hmm. that is really superb. We have published books from from, uh, France and from Argentina. Uh, Different ones have different approaches. And sometimes I love a particular book. Sometimes I love a particular section of a book. Interesting, interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about the bookshop? Yes, I was going to ask about the bookshop. You've opened um, a, uh, a bricks-and-mortar um, retail outlet in Amherst. Amherst, yes. tell us about that. Yes, we are on 69 Main Street, just next to the Black Sheep, and almost across the street from uh, Emily Dickinson. The community has been extraordinary in its support and it, in, it, in its generosity. I never really imagined I would open a bookstore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always thought it was only a publisher, but a bookstore seems to have struck the right chord. Amherst has an endangered species in the last few years, and that is bookstores. When I arrived 30 years ago, there were many bookstores and many books. Now there's only one surviving bookstore in Oz that have arrived to this town. People really connect to this. I am very proud to see readers arrive and ask for books and and be supportive of different uh, activities. Um, 
again, I never thought I would be a bookstore owner, but here I am, a professor and a writer, and also selling books themselves. In the, it's very rewarding. And what are the hours of the book? The hours are Mondays to fr- Monday to Friday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Sometimes we're open, depending on activities, on the weekend. I invite everybody to come and see it. We do all sorts of activities in the in the bookstore. We also partner with the Emily Dickinson Museum, with the Jones Library. Books are the excuse to create a community here and to show that there is depth and complexity in what we can put on the page and outside the page. I love that books as an excuse to form community and to build community. And you and you're working. You're, the business is running out of the office as well. The publisher. It is. Yes, we yes. are. We're both editing the books there, marketing them, and then people are coming and buying them. That's perfect. And, uh, when you say we, you, Elon Stavins? Well, we, you too, Buzz and Megan <laughs> and everybody else who comes. But there's a terrific staff at the office that is, you know, managing editors and senior editors and students. We have a big army of students, and all of them make a wonderful community to start with. Wonderful. Thank Megan you Zinn, so you've much. you've done it again. <laughs> yeah, I just love of this course. segment. Thank you so much, Professor, for being here. It is the Restless Bookshop. Go check it out. 